everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio's Green Room Live post game. My name is Bill Matz. I am your director of Fun and Games for the evening. I do the same intro for everything, so it's I can never remember what I'm about to say. Like I'm about to say Broad Street Hockey Radio. My name is Bill Matz, but no, it's this is the Green Room Live post game coming to you following a three nothing decisive victory. That's what we wanted, right? A uh, a shutout. Big win, cover the minus uh, goal and a half. That's that's all we needed, right? Uh, good stuff there from the Flyers. I mean, no, it was uh, oof, rough 40 minutes there, but they got it going. So let me get to the positives. Let me get to the positives. Uh, they didn't have their A game. They came out against a hungry, winless team, and uh, they got it done. That's I, I think that's that's huge for the Flyers to be able to win in multiple ways. Uh, it wasn't the huge offensive output that they've had in some games. You know, they were scoring four or five goals uh, a game for a little bit. Offense hasn't quite been as strong of late. Uh, they're still, of course, missing Kevin Hayes, Ryan Ellis out of the lineup again tonight. So getting it done, uh, despite not having your best game, is huge. Carter Hart stopped what all twenty eight, all twenty nine shots. Uh, that he faced tonight, that was pretty good. The Flyers have had trouble staying out of the box. They didn't take a penalty tonight. That's awesome. You don't want to give a team like the Coyotes something like, you know, you give them some power plays, some uh, unearned opportunities perhaps if you take a dumb stick penalty or, so you know, unnecessary. You just give them a little bit of life so they didn't do any of that. And ultimately – the guys who needed to really step up did so in the third period. Uh, Couturier from Konechny and Giroux. Scott Lawton gets that uh, second chance. He had a chance earlier to bury one basically from the same spot, and Vimelka made a nice save. But after the uh, the empty net goal was denied by a returning, uh, is it, I think, Vimelka. Um, they get another opportunity, and Lawton puts it behind him, and then Claude Giroux from Couturier and Sanheim on the empty net. Big 3 nothing victory. So those... Those are the positives. They got it done, and ultimately they don't ask how. They ask how many. The Flyers get two points in the standings. They do not give Arizona their first victory, and now they head into a 16-game stretch uh, that might be their toughest schedule-wise of the season. Uh, Just the teams they're going to play, the amount of games they're going to play, I think it's between now and December 6th. So so basically over the next month, uh, they are going to play – uh, just a whole lot of real hard games. They have Tampa in there a couple times, Florida, I believe, a couple times, Colorado. Uh, so, so they're gonna they're gonna be tested a lot more than they were tonight. But I think it's good that they were able to pass the test against a, I mean, just an absolutely dreadful, dreadful uh, Arizona team. I mean, just looking at their roster, how many good players do they even really have? Like the Flyers have how many guys that are just flat out better than anybody on Arizona's roster? Like five or six at least. So, uh, and that's where our negatives are going to come in. Obviously, uh, you don't want to make it a game. You don't really want it to be a game against, uh, you know, uh, such a bad team. You don't want to have. You don't want to let Arizona hang around, and they did. Of course, they have the goal uh, denied. Um, they have the goal, you know, called back on the. Uh, yeah, they said it was covered, even though there was no whistle. The referee who was right there called it a goal, but somehow, I guess somebody in the neutral zone um, 
said no, it was covered and all that. Uh, just to for my own peace of mind here. And then hold on one sec, actually. I got to test something. I got to look at something. I don't think I actually even connected my headphones. So now they are connected. And we should be good to go here. Uh, yeah, so they have the goal called back. And they don't let that deter them. They're not going to blame that. Uh, obviously, you know, one goal called back in this game shouldn't be a huge deal. Uh, Arizona doesn't score. They have like a negative 26, negative 25 goal differential or something coming into this. And uh, they hung with it. Uh, I'm glad that they didn't let that stuff bother them. But it's still – there are still issues with this team. The breakout, uh, letting teams just – possess the puck far too often in their own zone. And the Flyers got back into the trap of the slow start. Uh, we've we've commended them at the beginning of this season for being able to start games fast, scoring first. Of course, they get the first and only goals in this game. But it's nice when they get those goals in the first five, ten minutes of the first period, really set the tone. Uh, but I guess this one's really just about uh, Carter Hart. If that's what we want to – if that's what we want to look at, Carter Hart was able to keep the door closed. His team's offense was struggling, and he comes out, pitches the shutout, and that's awesome. It doesn't look like we have any speaker requests yet. Um, if you can hear me, first of all, in the uh, if you can hear me in the uh, in the chat, just let me know. Let me make sure this isn't all for naught. I've been talking for like five ten minutes now. Uh, can hear, awesome. We're good, outstanding. So yeah. This game could have been a lot better. I, you know, I bet the over, thinking, hey, the Flyers score a lot. This team, uh, you know, Arizona gives up a lot of goals. This should be an easy over five and a half. Any Flyers game lined at five and a half, I'm going to bet over blind. But we don't hit it. We do get our, uh, we do get our cover on the goal and a half, so that's good. At the end of the day, three nothing win against a bad team is a good win, but. I think there are a lot of issues people are going to want to talk about in the speaker request, so I'm just going to get to that. Let's start taking your calls. Let's lead it off with John McFadden. John, you are live on the post game. John McFadden. There you are. Can you hear me? I can, yep. Okay, sorry. First time, long time here. So, Oh, great to hear from you. So uh, don't be too negative, but, um, you know, after a good win like that. But what's up with Sanheim, dude? He's, like, super disappointing right now. He is. Sanheim is is never going to be a shutdown defenseman. I think he is upside defensively, uh, but we're seeing he's he's getting turnstiled quite a bit. His lack of it just seems like his lack of strength and assertiveness really hurts him in the defensive zone. And at the end of the day, if he's not producing points, those things are really going to stand out. He's obviously not a uh, a Shane Gostaspare style. You know, he's going to has potential for you know, 60 points or whatever, but, you know, he should be a a 35 to 50 point guy. And if those, if the offense isn't there, the defensive struggles are really going to stand out. And he's next to Rasmus Ristolainen, who has his own issues in the defensive zone. The, uh, that second pair is, it's, it's, it's a work in progress to say the least. Yeah, man. And, you know, I, I think Phil is a really good player, but, the way the way Sanham got beat tonight, it was just it can't happen. You know, it's just it was tough to watch. But you know, uh, plus side, you know, I know they weren't playing, you know, the '97 Red Wings or anything. But Hart looked awesome. He made a lot of big saves. Probably won them the game tonight. So it's good stuff. There. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, this game's scoreless until, what, almost seven minutes into the third period. Hart gives up one or two cheapies or just doesn't make a couple nice saves, and this is a totally different game. We're on here freaking out because the Flyers, who, nice road trip, but the last time we saw them get shut out in Calgary, we never want to see that. If they lose to Arizona, it's full-on panic mode in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we we got two points, so, you know, house isn't on fire yet, but – I just want to I want to see them straighten some things out. Uh, offense took a little bit to get going tonight, but overall, two points. I can't complain about too much. So, uh, thanks. that's you got it. And at the end of the day, yeah, like I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of things you pointed out, Sanheim. The people who who call in are going to want to point out the issues that this team had tonight, and I'm all for that because. Listen, especially in the first 40 minutes of this game, they did not look good against a team that they should own. They should flat out own this team. I was expecting this. If you listen to the pod today, I said, you know, 5-1, 6-1, something like that. I expected this to look like the Seattle game where they just – it looked like two different levels of teams on the ice. That was not the case. Uh, shots were even until the end of the game in this one. It ended up being a slight flyer's advantage. Uh, 34-29, they pulled away a little at the end of the third there, get the uh, you know couple on the empty netter and stuff like that. But um, they didn't dominate. They certainly did not dominate, um, uh, you know, in the shot count. They didn't dominate in any sort of possession-wise. Uh, they get three power play attempts, go 0 for 3 on the power play. A couple great saves in there by Vimelka, but Coyotes coming to the game, killing less than 60% of their penalties. Uh, you think you should be able to bury one with the uh, with the players that they have on this power play. Uh, Jeff Walbert. Jeff, you are live on the post game. Hey, Bill, can you hear me? I got you. How's it going tonight, Jeff? Jeff, can you hear me? Uh, can you hear me? I can hear oh, you. Okay, all right. Sorry about <laughs> that. That was weird. No worries. Uh, yeah, you know, you don't want to complain about two points, and at the end of the day, that's. I, mean, I was stoked they won, and, and great, just rack them up. Um, but I did, you know, the whole time, especially the first period, I'm thinking, geez, why is it that every time we have the puck in the off in the defensive zone, I'm nervous, you know, like when the puck is on a flyer's stick in the defensive zone, it should be like, you know, nine times out of 10 turning into a clear. And really it's like almost the opposite of that. It's like, you know, nine times out of 10, it's a turnover, because they just like give the puck directly to the guy at the point, or they try to make like a sneaky play at the line and just like literally feed the puck to the other team. What's up with that? It's it really seemed, uh, and the breakout has been up and down all year. They've had some games where it's looked good. They've had some games where it hasn't. Uh, it just seems like yeah, they need a little bit more north south. Just get the thing out uh, tonight. I think they mentioned it on the broadcast. Like so many passes and skates, so many uh, plays that were just a tad bit off. And you're giving the Coyotes these sorts of opportunities. They haven't won yet. As bad as the players on the roster are, they are professionals. Like they are going to play hard tonight. They absolutely came out hungry. They came out hard in the beginning of the first period. Um, it's. You needed your goalie to play the way he did tonight, and that's good, but you gave them way too many opportunities, like you said, on failed clears and stuff like that. Uh, the other thing I was thinking of as I'm watching this game, and I don't know if you have the same sentiment, but I just feel bad for Ghost Spear, you know, just as a person. Like, I think he just got married. I'm pretty sure, like, him and his wife are living in, like, different cities right now. You know, like, she's got, like, a legit job as, like, some, you know, she was, like, worked at a hospital or something. 
and he gets traded and he's playing for like the worst team in the NHL. They have a, they just lost ten games in a row. I mean, I feel I feel bad for him. I I kind of liked him as a person. Uh, yeah, no. I, listen, I've always I've always been and will continue to be a fan of Shane Gostisbehere. I'll uh, you know he's got this year and next at four and a half million. So uh, it's not like I'm shedding a tear for Shane. But we got to remember these are human beings, um, and that's that's like the reality of the business of sports. We talk about these guys as assets, and sometimes we forget. Like, yeah, if. Like you said, his wife has a has a job somewhere, and all of a sudden, you know, his job gets him transferred two time zones away. Like it, it's not the easiest situation for everybody. And you add in the fact he's on a team that's deliberately tanking. Like, gee, it, it can't be the simplest thing in the world. But I am happy for him getting a fresh start. He's got five assists. He leads their team in scoring. He could very well be a, a, a you know move to the trade deadline to a contender, maybe somewhere in the area, and uh, they'll be he'll be closer to his family and stuff. But it is a, it's a tough situation. Yeah, he's not there long. Uh, last thing, and I'll leave you with this. I just want you know I, I hear the uh, I understand the criticism with Sanheim, but I, I do like to watch him play. I, I am really impressed with how well he's able to recover. There's a few times per game I've noticed, almost every single game, multiple times he's done this, where he's been beaten and he gets back and, and breaks up and it, it turns into nothing for the other team. And, you know, I think uh, with experience, he will be able to maybe, you know, just build a bit more assertiveness and uh, maybe shut down a little bit better within his own zone. I think he's still got, you know, room to grow. And I think, the, you know, defensemen take a little bit longer to develop sometimes. So, you know, I, I'm happy he's on our roster. I think he'll be. You know, I think he's good with uh, Ristolainen. Yeah, I, I think that pair, especially, and thanks a lot, Jeff. Appreciate it. Uh, I think that pair, especially, needs time to grow. They haven't had a ton of time together. And Sanheim, yeah, the, you see the holes in his game, and they can be frustrating. But the guy does have length. You know, he's six three, and he's got athleticism. Uh, but you just are always looking for that next level. And I think we do kind of get caught up in the like, oh yeah, he's, he's got room to grow. And certainly he does. He can always, anyone can get better at any time, but the dude will be 26 years old in, uh, in March of this season. You know, he's a couple, five, four or five months away from turning 26 years old. He's played tonight was game number 263 of his career. Um, and, And, you know, his career has been, very odd obviously uh you know that first year 2017-18 he doesn't play nearly enough games we were going nuts about the lack of experience uh that he was able to uh to accrue in that first season 2018-19 we're ecstatic about what he did he played all 82 games what do you have here 35 points in like yeah 23 30 of them were at even strength like that's a hell of a Hell of an offensive output, certainly, and he looked very good in that sophomore year. We thought he was going to be something really special. And then the last two seasons, yeah, the scoring numbers were pretty decent in 2019-20, but cut short 69 games, and we all remember, you know, how that season went. And last year, 55 games, another shortened season, and the offense was way down. So maybe this is uh, finally – with things somewhat normal, uh, and he's going to have a steady D partner in Ristolainen, and at least for the time being, uh, not steady in terms of the way he plays. I just mean they should be together for the foreseeable future. They're not going to give up on Ristolainen, and, and we've talked a lot about how, you know, especially when Ellis is back, there really isn't a place for either Sandheim or Ristolainen except for with each other. So 
certainly this could uh, this season could kind of be the I don't know about make or break because I don't think they're going to get rid of him, but this could be where we really finally get a look at uh, what Sanheim is and is going to be as a player. And I think people are concerned about that because he's not off to the best start, but he certainly has tools, and that's why we're all frustrated when we don't see him building on them. All right, Zach Boyle. Zach, you are live on the post game. Yeah, Bill, how you doing? How are you tonight, Zach? Good, good. 3-0 win. I'll take it. Um, but, yeah. Off of what you just said there, um, they mentioned something in the middle of the third period. I hadn't really noticed until this point, and I, I started to pay a little bit more attention to it. Ristolainen really isn't using his shot at all, which, you know, considering his limited defensive as- assets, like, why wouldn't you be using that in a contract year? And then to build off of that, like, if you're not going to use it, that's not going to help you get a new contract that's in your favor. And, you know, as you kind of mentioned, like, Sandheim, I've aware, like, depending on what happens with his season, like, could we be looking at not like a, a completely new second pairing, but like, I don't know what, like, where do you kind of go from there? If neither one of them really has like a prove it year to you. That's, that's a great question, Zach. Um, I'm trying to, the Sanheim, is this the, he's got next year on his deal as well at 4.65, but yeah, it's, I asked today, you know, on the on the podcast with with Charlie and Stephen Kelly, like at what point do you think maybe they try to acquire another defenseman? And I realize it's tough with the cap and Ryan Ellis. You don't really know what the uh, what the issue is with him there and everything. But um, I, I don't I don't really know. I think you I think they have to give Ristolainen and Sanheim basically as much time as possible to figure this thing out. I don't know at what point. Seeing if they work together takes precedent over winning games, but since they are winning games right now, I don't see them like getting broken up or someone getting uh, scratched or anything like that. I think it's just kind of going to be you two have to figure this thing out, and then at the end of the year, uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of tough decisions to be made. I mean, Rasmus Ristolainen right now, he's he's on a five point four million dollar deal in a contract season, like. He's going to get significantly downgraded, and that rarely happens in hockey. But can you imagine a GM giving him five million dollars to be the player he is right now? That would be insane. No, I mean, the, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even give him even close to what Ghost was making, and Ghost scored sixty-five points in a season. Risto was nothing even close to that. Yeah, so it's. I think it's. I think the Ristolainen contract and that sort of stuff is more. It's more down the line than right now, but it's certainly something to look at. It's like one of the running storylines. There's so many set roster spots for this team. Um, it, it's it's going to be something that we have to figure out there, Zach. All right, thanks a lot. All right, let's go to Devin Steen or Devin Stein. Uh, Devin, you are live on the post game. Devin, if you see an unmute button, hit it. Oh, I lost him. All right, uh, this is kind of a new territory for us here on these call-in post games. I don't have I don't have a long line, so unless unless uh, I guess I could read the the comments, but it's not like those are coming in fast and furious either. This is kind of one of the uh, one of the less popular. I mean, it's Tuesday night against Arizona, but uh, I don't know. I'm a little disappointed in everybody here. Nobody wants to talk about this game. I understand it's it, it's a tough one. Uh, they win. They win three nothing, which seems convincing at the end of the day. We will always take the two points. They badly needed these two points with the next. Uh, run of 16 games that they're going on. Uh, they need to bank as many points as possible, but uh, sorry, dude. I, I'm, I'm joking, Brendan. Uh, the 
the turnout for these things has been incredible since I started doing them. It's on an app I barely even know how to use. Uh, everybody has been uh, uh, more than awesome with their time uh, joining me on these post games, but uh, just it's just weird, honestly, to be in this situation to only have you know 22 minutes or whatever of, of content. We've been doing 45 to an hour pretty steady throughout the season. Uh, Ralph Furley joins us now on the line. Ralph, you are live on the post game. Hey Ben, how's it going? How are you tonight? I'm all right. Uh, West Coast out here, and I get to uh, miss seeing the Flyers actually play, so I listen on the radio a lot. Um, Justin Braun, uh, what a stellar player for being such a low-level player to be able to step up for us. And, like, didn't hear about him all at all tonight, and that was really nice to hear. Do you think, like, he'll get, like, a little bit extra in his next contract dealings just because that guy has been, like, a step-up player for them in every game? for a while now thanks he's uh that's that's a great question ralph thanks a lot um yeah this is the second year of that two-year deal they they signed him to right after matt niskanen retired and we kind of called it we kind of called it a panic signing at the time you know two years at 1.8 a year for a third pair defenseman he's he's 34 now he'll be 35 in february so uh, I, i talk about this like He's so old and he's, oh, wow, yeah, February 10th, 1987. Like, he's a year and a half older than I am. Don't want to think about that. Uh, I don't know about a little extra for Justin Braun, but I do think the type of player he is, if he continues to play at this level, um, he'll be a guy teams just want on their third pair, contending teams, uh, just a steady stay-at-home defenseman. You know you can trust him in the defensive zone. You know he can kill penalties and stuff for you. I think he's just that type of – you pay for intangibles a little bit more with Justin Braun than um, like on a $1.8 million deal, that 0.8, that's the intangibles of Justin Braun being that, being that veteran, that guy who's been on playoff runs before uh, and just that steadying force on the, on the defense. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't think he gets much more uh, in a deal than like, you know, 1.5, something like that. I mean, the dude's going to sign another contract. It's going to be a 35 plus contract. You know, it's, he he only has so much time left and he is playing a third pair role. Now they move him up and down the, that's, you know, to just call him a third pair defenseman. He is a, a solid utility guy who can be moved up in the lineup as necessary. Um, You know, tonight he ends up playing a decent number of minutes. I think it was where I just had the numbers in front of me. Let's, Let's take a look at it. Yeah, 1743, which is about what I want him playing. Um, you don't want to overtax the guy. But, yeah, I uh, nothing but good things to say about Justin Braun since he got here. And I, I think the beginning of last season, it was like, oh, man, this guy's washed. But he turned it around, and since then, he's been every bit the player that they acquired. Uh, Devin, you are back with us. How are you tonight, Devin? Hey, can you hear me? I got you, yeah. Uh, sorry about that earlier. I was in 7-Eleven, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what'd you get at Seven Eleven? I got a Red Bull. All right, I know actually. it's like ten o'clock at night, but I'm a, I'm just terrible. But look who you're talking to. <laughs> so yeah, um, they looked like crap tonight, but like it's good that they still get a win. But I'm really, really worried about you know how long is it gonna take to get Ellis back? So it feels like when Ellis is in, they look like a totally different team. So I mean, have they said anything like what the injury is, or is it just like? You know, lower body nonsense and they just keep pushing it back i think it's 
I, I think I heard upper body, but I don't even remember that. They, it kind of came out yesterday. Elaine Vigneault said week to week, and people made a big deal about it because he was day to day. But it kind of seemed more like Charlie because Charlie was at the, you know, he's on the press conference when uh, when Vigneault says this. And he's, he said it was kind of more in the context of we probably should have said week to week um, when it first happened rather than day to day. Cause you know, at this point now he's missed over a week, but right. it, it, he's traveling with them. So it's, it, it kind of seems like he could rejoin the lineup at any point, but I don't think it's um, I don't think they're expecting it. Like it could be like in a uh, mighty ducks Two, where he's, he shows up like uh, uh, Adam banks. He's like, I woke up and the pain's gone. Like it could be like that, I guess, but, uh, it's not the one where he has him has him holding the stick out and he has yeah, to like, yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> oh you're rotated yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah hopefully he comes back soon because like he's just a lot of fun to watch and it does seem like no, and it it sets I, up the whole defense to be in the roles they're supposed to be in like you have him and Provorov playing almost half the game less pressure on Sandheim Ristolainen and then you have Braun and Yandel just as special teams guys playing 16 17 minutes a game as the veteran third pair like it everything just kind of falls in the line and i don't think it's i don't think it's a coincidence that their level of of play has dropped at least a little bit since he's been out of the lineup Right. Like I love Sealer. Like he's a great depth guy, but he's just not it's it's a big drop off. Like I mean when he, when he took a bunch of punches to the face and got real pumped up, like that was awesome. But I would prefer you in the press box, yeah. Yeah, no, he's a he's a nice team player and thanks a lot, Devin. Like I got no complaints about Nick Sealer. He is what he is. Like he's he's filling in on a team now. He's like their eighth or ninth defenseman, you know, like San, uh, Ellis is already out and Samuel Moran's hurt, so he kind of just he, – he's on an emergency loan right now. Uh, like, he's he's just a guy, and he's filled in admirably. Like, when he got in that fight against Alexiak, I think we all really appreciated that because when you fight that dude, you kind of know what you're getting into with his size, and he, uh, he, he took it for the team there. He knew what he had to do. But, yeah, I mean, the level of play drop-off we're talking about here between – Ryan Ellis, a legitimate top pair defenseman, and Nick Sealer, who looks eh in under 14 minutes tonight against the worst roster in the league. Like, obviously, they could really use Ryan Ellis back. Joe McGinley. Joe, you are live on the post game. Hey, Bill. Where's Nicky Hall when you need him? I know, right? Like, I know I need <laughs> Nicky to fill some time for me every night. He calls in <laughs> twice and no Nicky tonight. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, tonight's a bonus with uh, up-and-comer Marty Jones probably going in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I would uh, – it's – do you think it's going to be Jones in Pittsburgh? I think so. I don't, after a shutout, I don't know how you do it. It's not back-to-back games. They have the day in between, and they have such a stretch coming up. I wanted to bring up the Flyers' schedule real quick to see when their next set of back-to-backs are because I think they have quite a few in uh, in November – of course, it's laid out like this. Why wouldn't it be? Well, anyway, I really hope it's I really hope it's Carter Hart, especially after a shutout. I don't see how you sit a hot goalie. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like we've had situations like this before and they've done it. But oh, they certainly we'll have. I've just kind of been I've just kind of been working under the assumption that this is kind of the Carter Hart show this season until he gives us a reason for it not to be. And when there's, you know, time in between games, no back-to-backs, he doesn't have a bad game, doesn't tweak anything, I kind of think it's going to be his net. Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly hope so. But, uh, 
we'll see. He's given us two good performances, but also wanted to mention uh, Oscar Limbaum. Is he snake bitten or what? I feel like he can't buy a point. Yeah, he's uh, he had a couple of chances tonight that I just don't know how they didn't go in. Um, this is kind of the thing, you know, before his cancer diagnosis, that season, and thanks a lot, Joe, uh, that season when Lindblom was scoring so much, it was awesome that we were like, oh, maybe this is a guy who can play a little higher in the lineup because he's actually going to cash in on his chances. We know he does so many little things right. Uh, for the most part, he drives play in the offensive direction. He wins battles. He knows where to be. But finishing on chances wasn't necessarily his best skill. And then when he started scoring like he was, it was like, oh, okay, maybe his ceiling's raised a little. As a third liner, like, he's, he's going to be excellent. He's going to pick up his points where he can. Uh, but it would be so nice just to see the guy scoring. First of all, to have somebody, somebody else scoring on that line, that would be really cool to see. The, uh, the Lawton, JVR, and Limblom line, that would be awesome if someone, someone there got going. And just how do you not just root for, uh, for Oscar Limblom? I mean, he's, we're all on his side. Limblom can do no wrong. Like in, Until Limblom starts purposefully shooting on his own net, I will be an Oscar Limblom fan. And even then, it will take like him doing that a couple times in a row for me to really get pissed about it. Uh, just because we brought it up, let's look at the schedule here. They have Pittsburgh. They're at Pittsburgh Thursday at the Cap on Saturday and then another three-day break before they come back home and play Toronto next Wednesday and then off Thursday the 11th and then the 12th and 13th they are uh, they have back-to-backs at Carolina at Dallas so yeah Martin Jones is going to draw into one of those it's such a tough stretch because I I mean one of those before them I, I expect Hart to start at least three of the next five but Four would be right. Give Hart all four, goddammit. Like, let me see Martin Jones against Dallas on Saturday the 13th, you know? Why not? Uh, Joe McFadden. Joe, you are live on the postgame. Yo, Bill. All right, calling in again because I forgot to mention something. John McFadden, I'm sorry. That's all good. So uh, I think Sean Couturier seems like a great guy. He's an awesome hockey player. I got to say I'm very annoyed that he's played 700 hockey games because it really shows me how much time has passed in my lifetime. Uh, I remember when this dude, I remember when we drafted him. I remember the summer of the Richards and Carter trade. And it's just, it's kind of weird. He's been through so many, uh, you know, Flyers teams. Like he's kind of part of the next, he is part of the next leadership group. You know, you have your Shens departed. Wayne Simmons is gone. Now Voracek is gone. It's kind of his and G's team right now. And, uh, yeah, awesome player, but it's just, how did he get to 700 games already? No. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing, man. Uh, and thanks a lot, John. Um, my first year quote unquote covering the flyers was, uh, well, I started, I started in January or February of the 2010, 11 season. So January, or February, 2011, um, covering that flyers team that, uh, was so damn good and then just fell apart down the stretch. Everybody hated each other. They get swept in the Bruins by the Bruins in the second round, that whole thing, uh, the goalie shit. And then that summer, like that's my first summer covering the team uh, and all that shit goes down with Richard and Carter. So like Sean Couturier has been, been a part of the Flyers like as long as this has been my path. You know, I was in college back then, but, you know, I kind of knew I kind of knew what direction I was heading in and it's yeah, seeing him at 700 games. I mean, shit. That's that's a lot of hockey. I, I still feel like he's 22 years old, you know. Uh, uh Man, 
and he's going to be here so long. What was that contract? He signed for seven or eight years. Uh, Couturier, first year of the contract extension. Yeah, so it's – I can't remember. Let's bring it up because I got time to kill. Uh, what was it? Yeah, the full eight years. So, I mean, he's going to be here. He's – he is the one of the leaders of this team. It is him and Drew's team. They're the guys that kind of have to get this thing going, and that's why I was happy to see uh, those two team up on the uh, on the empty netter tonight. Couturier kind of deferred to his elder there, and uh, Drew got the play started to Konechny, and Konechny uh, set up Couturier with the first goal of the game. So it's 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 those two, and I like that they're the guys who step up on a night like tonight where someone just had to. You had to get out of here with two points. And for me personally, you had to cover the spread uh, and they made it happen. So, yeah, it's the offense revolves around those two, especially until uh, until Kevin Hayes gets back and we have somebody to anchor a second line. All right. Anonymous dude. Anonymous dude. You're alive on the post game. Hey, what's up, Bill? How are you tonight? Good. How are you? Very well. So I just got one point for you tonight and uh, everyone else is feeling mixed about this game. I feel ecstatic. You want to know why? Okay. Why is that? Because I've been watching since 2014, and I know that any other team would have blown this game 100%. <laughs> you know, there's I I started off with I started off I always like to say okay I know there's going to be people with complaints about this thing so let me get to the positives and bearing down in the third period first of all the goaltender shutting the door to give you a chance that is always huge that's. That's been a plague of this team for a long time. And then getting it done when you needed to get it done. Couturier gets the goal. Lawton gets that second chance on the uh, denied empty netter and puts one past uh, Vimelka. And then they get the other empty netter just to seal it. Uh, it's, it is a different pattern that we've come to expect with this in this mediocre run of Flyers hockey where, you know, a letdown game means we are going to lose to the worst team. And it's the first time that Arizona hasn't completely embarrassed us, even though they're 0-15 or whatever. Yeah, there, there was a game. I wonder if there was something they were talking about uh, three, four years ago where Arizona started out 0-11. And I swear I remember they coming into Philadelphia and like getting out to a big mm-hmm. lead. The Flyers came back and tied it up, and then Arizona won it in overtime. for It might have been their first win of the season that year. But regardless, it's Arizona, so they were probably yeah, bad. I, I um, it's nice that they didn't like this isn't a great game for the Flyers, but they still won. And that's big to be able to win when you don't play your best. Oh, yeah. I just I, honestly, I mean, we shut them out. So that's that's good. Any game. I'll take it. Yeah. And I think that's that's going to be the main takeaway from this thing is that two points will take it. Uh, Carter Hart comes up huge. That's all we can ask for out of our goalie is to uh, to get the job done when the offense isn't there tonight. He single-handedly, you know, you can't say single-handedly won them the game. You know, you, they still need to score, and they did eventually. But, man, he had opportunities. You know, Arizona gets 29 shots. Not all of them were easy from the outside. Uh, he did what he had to do, and that's that's got to be gigantic for Hart's confidence to just know I can be that guy. And it's got to be insanely uh, – it's got to build confidence for the guys in front of him as they're working back from just – 
that trash season that was last year. Carter Hart can't be blamed solely for what happened last season, but he did, in fact, suck. He was very bad, and I'm sure there's a, at least a little bit of residue in the back of some of the players' minds, like, can we fully trust this guy? Tonight's a perfect example of, you know, everyone in front of him didn't look that great. He was there. He got the job done and enabled them to pull away in the third period. All right, everybody. Uh, it doesn't look like we have any more uh, any more speakers in the uh, in the waiting room so far. I'm going to look at a few comments. Um, yeah, Brendan Morrow. When do we worry about Ellis? Uh, I'm worried just in the fact that yeah, you know, we talked about when we when the Flyers acquired him. Ellis misses games. Ellis has missed like 20 percent of the games in his career, or something like that. 20 um, percent of his team's games. We, we worry my I'm trying to put a positive spin on it in that they're not going to rush him back. Uh, and this comment was from Brendan Morrow. When do we worry about Ellis? I'm, I'm going to not worry yet because my hope is they're just going to let him get all the way healthy. You know, he started the year and he was dealing with something and he was playing through it. And they're just like, no, this is stupid. Rest up, get healthy, and then hopefully whenever he comes back, that's it. He's in the lineup for the rest of the season. But it is just a concern because the guy misses time. You know, it's not – he wasn't available because <laughs> you know, because he's no good. You know, it's not like he's washed, he's done. Like Ryan Ellis is still a very good player. The knock on him is he misses time. Uh, let's see here. Do we like NAK so far? I know he's a fourth liner, but is there anyone that could uh, bring more offense, maybe a little more stability defensively? I think, uh, and someone else here says this. Um, yeah, here's Joe McGinley, NAK's best game so far. Uh, he's, I think, been a little better um, since the start of the season. I thought the first couple of games were kind of a continuation of last year's uh, bad year for NAK, but I think he's getting a little better. And is there someone else right now? I don't think so. Uh, as the season moves along, there's a lot of guys that maybe will get a look. Of course, Wade Allison could come back uh, and, and slot into a, a bottom six role for this team. And, you know, when Kevin Hayes comes back, that means someone's going to get someone playing higher up in the lineup could get moved down to the third or fourth line. The trickle effect, somebody could come out and that someone could very well be NAK. There's guys down in the AHL. I know the Phantoms, like especially if you want more offensive punch, uh, whatever, everyone who I talk to who's covering the Phantoms, whatever uh, Ian LaPerriere is doing down there, it's not like 21st century hockey. They're basically not playing offense. So it's kind of hard to judge, but there's nobody who's really putting up any numbers down there but maybe Tyson Forster gets a look but that's way down the line uh some other guys maybe Max Willman but right now it's I think it's going to be NAK but when the lineup starts to get a little bit more healthy over the next couple weeks next couple months there is a uh there is an opportunity to create a little more competition at the bottom of the roster 10 yeah Devin says 10 30 17 Coyotes were 0 and 11 and beat the Flyers for their first win 4-3 in overtime I was there Devin so was I uh I remember yeah, yeah. I remember that's the Flyers. I think they might have been down like 3 nothing and came back and tied it. And then the Coyotes won like right away in overtime, I believe. Uh, Lawton is clutch, but sometimes bad turnovers. Uh, yeah, I mean, Lawton is, uh, and that's from Jeff Walbert, Lawton is a nice bottom six roster guy. Like, he's not going to be awesome. If he was awesome, he'd cost way more and he couldn't be on the Flyers, you know? Like, you have to deal with not everyone's a superstar out there in terms of 
uh, dude. And Charlie brought this up today. One of the reasons they really wanted to resign Scott Lawton and they did last season was he just really wants to be a flyer. If you listen to our Paul Holmgren interview, he talked about guys who maybe just didn't want to be here, maybe needed a change of scenery. Um, you know, Jake Voracek, Shane Gostas Bear, guys who just, you know, Nolan Patrick needed a fresh start. Maybe not even that they're bad guys, maybe that they're not competitors, but maybe they just needed to be somewhere else. Scott Lawton really wants to be here. And so I'll always give him credit for that. And as a third or fourth liner, eventually, um, uh, it, it's he's a fine enough player. Liking Thompson for what he is, good experience. Yeah, you, you put two good wingers with him, and I'm not saying necessarily that's what they have now with McEwen and uh, – with McEwen and NAK, but you know, down the line, this fourth line should get help should be better when the team gets healthier. And Nate Thompson's a nice veteran guy who can help you kill penalties. And he's a lot like, I mean, I don't think he's as good as Braun and Yandel, but I think there's a lot to be said for, I can just put him out there and I don't expect a fucking disaster. Like I know what I'm going to get. And I know that's a little like Dave Haxtell, like, Oh, I know what I'm going to get out of guy who sucks. Like Nate Thompson's better than Chris Vandevelde. You know, like it's not like they're throwing out Vandevelde because we know what we're going to get out of him. It's a little, he's better than that. I'm just making that sort of coach speak comparison. All right, guys, uh, I think we can wrap it up there. Yeah, no more speaker requests. I think that's all the time I have for you tonight. So thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. And boom, content, content, content. Just today, you could have listened to, and just stuff that's like from the last 24 hours, you could have listened to Kelly's checking out the competition uh, where she previews the game with somebody from, I believe, Five for Howling is uh, who she talked to today. Uh, and just look, look at today's game. We recorded BSH Radio today, so you got the flagship show. And you got a post game. Now, of course, you also could listen to from last week our interview with Paul Holmgren. That was excellent if you haven't checked that out already. But basically, you get a ton of content, and you get content every day. All you have to do is subscribe to Broad Street Hockey wherever you find your podcasts. And speaking of subscribing to Broad Street Hockey, now, next post game on Thursday after the Pittsburgh game, I'm going to be giving away a pair of tickets to the alumni game, the Flyers Hall of Fame alumni game on Monday, the 5th, November 15th. I'll be giving away some tickets, a pair of tickets, randomly to one of our call-in uh, guests, one of our speaker people, whatever we want to call them. I'll be giving away a pair to them. But tonight, the tickets are for the podcast listeners uh, I'm going to basically when this podcast goes out, well, you know what? Actually, I'm not going to give it away here because I think that gives everybody in the room right now an unfair advantage. So I'm going to record a little something and add it on to the end of this show and then uh, let you know how to win those tickets by listening to the podcast version of this. And then on Thursday, it'll be for the people who join me live. All right, that's it. That's all the time I've got. Thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging out. My name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. First of all, thank you for listening to the post-game show all the way through. Uh, this is the segment I said I'd record right at the end of the post-game. This is how you're going to win your tickets. This is how you're going to enter to win the tickets to the alumni game. We're giving away a pair uh, on tonight's program. This is for the podcast listeners. What you're going to do is listen to the show, which you've already done. Take a screenshot. Of, uh, of the show playing, if it's on your laptop, if it's on your device, whatever it is, take some sort of screenshot to prove to me that you listen to the show, you listen to uh, this as a podcast, and then reply to my tweet. I'm going to have a tweet 
pinned to the top of my Twitter profile. That's uh, this the link to this show. It'll probably be the Spotify link uh, to this show. Reply to that tweet with your screenshot, and then a winner will be chosen at random from the people who reply to the tweet that I have pinned to the top of my profile with the link to this show. Show me you listen to it, um, and that's it. Maybe tag Broad Street Hockey and BSH underscore radio. But uh, yeah, one of the people who reply will be chosen at random. You will win a pair of tickets to the alumni game on Monday, November 15th. That's how we're going to do it. It should be real simple. Uh, Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks for hanging out. My name's Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody.